It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hi, everybody. It's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hitting the bell notification so you're made aware of any time putting new content on. We have, obviously, interviews going up daily. Sometimes you're lucky and you get two a day. Um, we're rapidly approaching our 50th guest, which is, which is phenomenal. Loads of great fans, loads of great guests all over the world, including today's guest. He's in his man cave, and I absolutely love the man cave. It's Gary Killington. Hi, Gary. How are you? Hi, how you doing, Russ? Yeah, all good, all good. Um, yeah. This is my this is my daily excursion down to the man cave. I do I, I work from here, so you know, nothing new, nothing, nothing new. Yet new. another yet another yet another Zoom call, but the, this one's a bit more Zoom. interesting yeah. than my usual yeah. Zoom calls. And that's the idea. It breaks up the Zoom calls of the day, and as you said, yeah, yeah it's uh, it's what's becoming the norm. You know, I can't wait that we can actually, you know talk to people face to face can we tell I'll you, tell you it'd be lovely it'd be lovely to actually go out to a pub again oh. and have a drink and you know even even going into work and having a meeting face to face with people would be yeah. brilliant it's such a novelty yeah it's we're a long way from there we are oh, well no maybe maybe we're not maybe we're not maybe. well i don't know things are starting to ease up and you know and, you know in terms of terms of the football side obviously hopefully we might have some football to something else to talk about you know rather than yeah yeah well i'm kind of looking forward to it now i just hope it is um you know properly competitive and and you know we don't get a load of players infected so you know us with a small squad you don't want to suddenly see a load of some of our players our key players go missing right Mm -hmm. so it's it's important but on the upside it has given us given us a chance to get a few players a few more players fit i would imagine exactly i mean we have a fully fully fit squad at the moment don't we by all accounts which is that won't last long. That lasts about, really last about a week. Lost. Especially if they have to play all these games in quick succession. You know, it's just going to be... Yeah. I'm, I'm sure Jack Wilshere will fall over or something before the, before the, the season restarts. Something's going to happen. I was reading that they have to, that the Premier League has said if they have, um, if you've got 15 fit players, you have to fulfil your fixture. So... Right. Right. Oh, oh, okay. Is that a rule? Is it? Oh, well, apparently, okay. that, apparently, that's something, something that I think I think Geo came you know, mentioned. It came up in in the Premier League, sort of like you know they're having the meetings yeah. every other day, and that was one of the ones that came out. Because otherwise, what's going to happen is you're going to get you know conspiracy theorists are going to you yeah. know get four or five people who have got coronavirus that self isolates the whole team and. 
Yeah, that makes sense, though. I think I didn't know about that rule, but that's that's quite a good one, I, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I think they're trying to make it as sort of fair as possible. But we'll see. Mm. Who knows? And that's what happened. You know, yeah. And the idea is we're not talking about what's going to happen. We're talking about the past, which is lovely. Yeah. And obviously, we're interviewing fans all over the world about their memories and also the players that meant something to them, um, yeah. whether it's good or pop, good or negative. You know, it doesn't really matter. Really. So, in terms of you, Gary, what was your sort of your first memories of West Ham? I've been thinking long and hard about this, <laughs> and I and I and I think there are there are two because I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm from the East End. I, I've, yeah. I've, I grew up, you know, born in Hackney, raised in Stepney and Mile End. You couldn't get too much more East End than that. You know, went to school in Bethnal Green and Stepney. Yeah. And um, it was it was a sort of a, a big family thing. I my, my, always knew that my dad was a big West Ham supporter. I always used to go to West Ham. Didn't know what the hell he was, he was doing yeah. or what it was all about. And so when I was about six, I was born in 69 and we won the FA Cup in 1975. And then we didn't go to the parade, like down at the town hall, but we got in the car and sort of drove around the East End. And I remember sort of claret and blue everywhere. And I, I remember just thinking it's, it's a big thing. It was special. You know? yeah, yeah. But that, that, was, that was really my, my first um, impression of, of, of something related to football. But then I think my first game and that I went to, and I've got this, this memory again, I was probably only six or seven. And I remember going to Charlton, the Old Valley, and and that was definitely my first experience of football because I didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah. And and I remember we was at the top of this huge stand because the valley used to be massive, right? It used to be massive, big concrete terraces. And I remember seeing this pitch sort of miles away. And I sort of, I, I look back. I know I know we won the game. I know we won the game. It was all positive and everything. And I look, I look back at records in the from the seventy six to seventy eight to see when it probably was. And it was probably in nineteen seventy six September away in the League Cup that we won. So that was probably my first memory of, of football, of, 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 of an actual football match. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was always a big family thing. You know, my family was dotted all around the East End. It was all typical sort of close-knit community. They're all mm. dotted out in Essex now. Um, but all grandparents, aunts and uncles and everything, all around Mile End and Daphne Green and, and pretty much everyone that I interacted with supported West Ham. Most people at school really supported West Ham. That was before the days when, uh, you know, you got the the sort of fanboys, the ones who, who who wore the. That did happen though in my secondary school. People started wearing sure. like Liverpool shirts when they yeah, won yeah, everything yeah. and stuff like that. But largely, you know, in East an East End school, there was a decent contingent of West Ham uh, and a mixture of Spurs and Arsenal in there as well. Um, yeah, so so that was um, it was a big supporting West Ham was a family thing. It was always yeah. a family thing, and we used to go down there in a group. So we used to we started going to home games in probably the the late 70s and about 78, you know, regularly. Yeah. And we'd go to West Ham one week and we'd go to Leighton Orient the next Me week. Too, because yeah, that was yeah. that was my granddad's team, right? Yeah. And he, he loved the O's. And, and I used to like... We, so we were both in the old second division yeah. at the time. And so there was two games where West Ham played Orient each season, yeah. right? That was a bit of a divided loyalty thing. <laughs> not too much, not so much. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, um, we used to stand in the old uh, West Lower um you know the old the old stand the lower tier it ended up being all seater but when it mm. started it was a standing terrace and uh it was it was quite an unsafe one as well but i mean we used to stand down the front by the south bank and so you used to um you, you know you used to be able to see all the nonsense that was going on over in the <laughs> south bank because there was that that row of police that used to separate the home supporters and the away supporters yeah. before you know a few years later they they put a fence in to yeah. to us i suppose to protect the police but in the early days i just rem remember i saw it i saw it more than once through my, my young eyes when i was about <laughs> nine or ten you used to see 
line of police, a single line of police of separating the home and the away fans in the South Bank. And if the away team happens to do something like score, say they scored and yeah. they started celebrating and rubbing their nose in, the line of police used to just disappear. Right? <laughs> it's, it's all you saw was like punches being thrown and stuff like that. <laughs> so it was, it was good entertainment. It's good entertainment for a wide-eyed kid. But, um, but yeah, so, um, and, and, and when I started supporting them as well, we had that couple of years that were just brilliant with the FA yeah. Cup. And I'm sure it's been mentioned by many others as well. But we were always, you know, we never had, we never had money. And so um, we used to go to uh, the home games. We used to pay on the door and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But getting, you know, getting tickets um, to, uh, to, to the big games was a, bit, was a bit difficult, the semi-final and the final and such like. But we went to the early game against Orient, and then we went to the quarterfinal against Villa. And uh, that's, that's one of my, you know, the quarterfinal against Villa is one of my, my sort of cherished memories because, sure. um, again, we, it was... You know, it was a one-nil win, and it was in the 90th minute. A Ray Stewart penalty. You know, Ray Stewart, nerves of steel. Um, and where we were stood was actually on the our eye line was in uh, was with the edge of the 18-yard box. So you had the perfect view. Yeah. You could see the whites of the goalkeeper Jimmy Rimmer. You could see the whites of his eyes, and you saw Ray Stewart come back, and then he belted the ball home, and it just it was just carnage in there. Yeah. And we were down the front of this terrace, and suddenly. I don't know how many people were in there. I think too many. The crowd just fell down to the front. And we were getting crushed. We were getting crushed. Me and my cousin and everything else. And all of a sudden, the police just pulled us out. They pulled us out of the front. It was, I don't know whether they had crash barriers in old, old stand. I don't think they did. I think it was just a crowd that just went down the front. And what actually happened was we ended up having to leave the ground so we just won the FA Cup quarterfinal, which was a massive competition back then. We got wide eyes. We had to leave the ground down the players' tunnel. Like, wow. we were following Trevor Brooking and Billy Bonds down the players' tunnel. It was just like the stuff of dreams. You know, it's brilliant. <laughs> and then afterwards, um, my dad, terrified, obviously, he, we're, we're in the car on the way home. He said, you're never going to football again. No, I'm not having that. You're not getting crushed to death. I said, oh, come on. I just had like the best day of my life. Exactly, it was brilliant. Yeah, you know, yeah. Nothing happened. He uh, kept it up for a while. But, you know, I must admit, the semi-final against Everton, the final against, you know, the final against Arsenal, watching that on telly, because you didn't yeah. get many, many games live on telly no. uh, in those days. It was like the FA Cup final and the old England match, right? Mm. And, um, you know, watching that live in our living room in Stepney, it was just like being there. Obviously, not as good as being there, but no, I tell you, we we lived every second of that game, yeah. absolutely every second. And I was so nervous. You know, in the last five minutes, I, I went into the toilet. I sat in the toilet. I couldn't <laughs> watch it. I couldn't watch it. So, came back out and honestly, floating on air, absolute floating on air. Went back to primary school on on the on the Monday, and oh, the the feeling of winning the FA Cup, yeah. and then. You know, all, all the, the little things like, you know, the old sticker books, the sticker albums, Football 81, Football 79. Yeah. Sure. The, next, the next year, Football 81, which it was, right? Um, you open the front cover and there was a multi-part sticker of West Ham holding the FA Cup with Wembley in the background. Little benefits that you got like that, <laughs> which just brought West Ham, raised the profile of West Ham. Yeah. And, then, and then like the League Cup that same year. So we thought, oh, I thought, oh this is a bit good. This is easy, We're, yeah. Yeah, and taking on the mighty Liverpool, and they were mighty then as well, you know, yeah. and nearly nearly beating them, you know, taking them to a replay, absolutely fantastic, and then and then really nothing until two thousand six, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but having said that, having said that, you know, I I I, I just love going to West Ham, and I've yeah. always gone to West Ham, 
you know, we've had a season ticket over there for probably 30 years now. We had season tickets in the Bobby Moore stand from the day it was built to the day it closed. Uh, the mm. same tickets. Um, you know, me, my cousin, my dad, my uncle, various other people around us. And, uh, you know, so it was a family thing. It's like you see your family when you go down there. Yeah. I had a little holiday away. I, I went over to the chicken run upper or east stand upper when my kids were growing up because they wanted to start going to football. So yeah. I went and sat over there with um, my cousin's kids and my kids. And um, and that was good for about three years. Still maintain the seats over in the Bobby Moore Lower because <laughs> as soon as the kids grew up, we went straight back there again. <laughs> yeah. and um, uh, But I, I loved that place. I absolutely loved that stadium. And, and honestly, some of the nights that we've had in there, I mean, you know, not only the, the big one, like the, the last one, but if you, if you think back, the the Ipswich uh, yep. playoff where Everington scored the, the winner. Oh, absolutely amazing. Because where my seat was, was right in line with where he hit that ball. Oh, you could see okay. it just curling into the net. It was, it was just electric. I've never experienced Upton Park so electric no. as that. But, but then again, you think back, the twice we stopped Man United winning the league, stopping Spurs getting into the Champions League. It's, yeah. been, it's been so much schadenfreude, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you know, there's also been some great nights that have benefited us as well you know yeah. but yeah we do we do take pleasure in other people's pain i think yeah. i think we do i think cause, yeah. as you said yeah. that we yeah we we've been all to be honest so you know it's yeah. like small victories isn't it it's like beating yeah, Tottenham right. at their new ground and being the first one to score and all that stuff it's like it just adds to our as to our sort yeah. of yeah, well, that, that, that was always going to happen as well, right? I mean, I, I, I got a ticket for that Spurs game as well, that away game, and oh, that, was, that was a good day. That was a good day. But you just, knew, you just knew it was coming. You just knew it was yeah. coming. You could feel it. I could feel it from the time I woke up in the morning. You know, <laughs> Spurs must hate us. They really must. They must do. They must, they must do. Because especially, you know, yeah, well, at, least, at least this year, you know, they technically won't be behind closed doors, won't they, when, they, when we play them? So, yeah. So yeah, but they'll, yeah, we still will lose three point. We're still, but we still beat him at three point lane. So yeah, no, it's good. Um, <laughs> anyway, so obviously you know you from the sort of sort of the mid seventies basically onwards. That's quite a a, a nice spread of, of West Ham players that have been and gone and come back. Yeah. Some people. Um, so as I said, we're doing this little Hammers eleven where we're sort of picking people uh, sort of four four two. You know, the only really rule is that you have to have been alive to see them play. But it can be whoever yeah. you want to talk about, Gary. And I, I understand you've got a slight a slight twist. Yeah, own. yeah, because I, I, I had a quick look on on at some of your previous yeah, sure. uh, guests. You've had some really good guests on there, by Thank the way. You. But I, I um I looked through and there was there seemed to be a common theme of of people naming a similar yeah. first eleven to what I'd name. You know, because yeah, yeah, my, my my favourite eleven is is a standard one, right? It'd probably yeah, be Parks. Yeah. Park Stewart, Martin Rio, Dix, Bonds, Brooking Pyatt, Ward, DeCanio and Cotty, right? It, it, pretty much, pretty much everyone has, has gone for a combination of those. So yeah, I thought yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, go, I'd go for something nice. uh, different. And what I tried to do, my theme, I mean, over the years of watching West Ham, one of the sort of fun elements of watching West Ham is we've had players who are hard. We've had players who are a little bit mad. Yeah. We've had players perhaps verging on insane a little bit. You know, we had, some of them were entertaining uh, but most of them were sort of win at all costs. They're sulk. They're, they're sort of they're, they're threat. They fight. Some of them would, would try and break their opponents, um, <laughs> and other, others are just plain eccentric. You know, some were geniuses, but and yeah. some were sort of cult heroes, right? Um, yeah, yeah. But it's um, it, it's a, a, a group of people that I think you find is a little bit different. And I'm not sure you'd want to play against this team. <laughs> <laughs> the loopy 11 yeah the loopy 11 <laughs> who, who's in golf for Gary's loopy 11 I love it 
Well, who do you reckon? Uh, Adrian. Adrian. Um, you know, Adrian had the capability to be a great keeper, but yeah. something inside his head told him, I need to do more. I can't just stand here watching at one end. I'm, I'm our best defender, our best midfielder. I'm probably our best striker as well. I need to get up the pitch and join in. And he seemed to do that quite a lot. He seemed yeah. to just come charging out of goal. And you've seen him do it for Liverpool as well. You know, we could have perhaps attached him to a bit of elastic or something. I don't know. But he liked nothing better than charging out of goal. You know, so it got, gets caught in no man's land. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but having said that, you know, he came across as mad, totally mad. Uh, uh, and he was never going to be a conventional keeper, but he, he kind of got us at West Ham, and we got him. And he was yeah. he, he he was he was loved. I mean, yeah. widely loved. And he, you know, and he he was an imperfect player, not a world beater. Um, but you know, nothing epitomises Adrian more than what he did in that FA Cup game, yeah. that replay against Everton, where it's a, it's, <laughs> you you know it's just written in the it's yeah, written in the was. stars. You know, he comes down, he's going to take the deciding penalty. And he, he just stands there and thinks, well, this game's over. Takes his gloves off and throws them on the floor. Won't need yeah. them anymore. Spanks <laughs> the ball home and goes on the knee slide over into the corner of the pitch. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, Mental, really. I, I, I loved Adrian. Again, he, yeah. he, and, and that's probably a common theme for some of the players through uh, this list, they're, uh, this team. They're, they're, some of them are perhaps not the best, but we, we liked them. They were cult heroes. Yeah. No, I get that. Yeah, totally. And as you said, yeah, he wouldn't like... And like compared to sort of the conventional goalkeepers we've had, the Fabianskis, yeah. obviously, you, I, mean, I, I wasn't around to watch Seafield Parks play, you know, but Robert Green, people like that, they would, if the ball needs to be saved or caught, they would catch it. Not yeah. Adrian. Adrian needed to do a flamboyant dive. You know, he could have caught it, but no. He just yeah, yeah. It, you know. There's always something for the cameras, wasn't it? Yeah, something yeah, for the yeah, 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 Adrian, nice shot. Okay, who are we going to have at left back then, Gary? Well, in this in this eleven, you can only have Julian Dix yeah. at, at left back. I mean, you know, again, I don't want to repeat stuff that other people yeah, have sure. said, but look, legend, penalties. The the big the big thing that he brought to the team was he could turn a game by himself. Yeah, you know, he totally. could take a game by the scruff of the neck. You know, I remember going to work the next day, and my my big boss was a, after it was after a Chelsea game. I think we were beating Chelsea, and and Julian Dix had trodden on John Spencer. And um, the big boss in my firm was a Chelsea supporter and a FIFA referee. And he was absolutely <laughs> seething about Dix. He said, he should have been sent off. He was an American, actually, but I won't do the accent. Yeah. And I said, no, he was all right. He barely touched him. He just tried to get his <laughs> leg out of the way. It's nothing. So, and that's the sort of attitude you take with Dix. You think, well, he's a bit of a bastard, but he's our bastard. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, you, know, you know, he was naughty. He was really naughty, but he also had immense football ability. Yeah, um, he did. You know. Um, never seen a fullback who could turn a game like that, really. I don't think Agreed. in all my time watching West Ham, uh, immense. Um, you know, we always had a chance of him in the side, brave and a lion, brave as a lion, and, and sort yeah. of com- comically filthy as well. Yeah, and, definitely. And, and, and the penalties, who can forget the penalties? You know, the way he used to absolutely launch that ball. I mean, you know, against uh, yeah, the great ones against Spurs, where he virtually took the net off, the one against, uh, or more than one, I think, against Peter Schmeichel. But yeah. I think one of one of a couple of times, the keeper, one of the keepers, would have got their hands to the ball, just went through the hand. Right, yeah. it's so hard. <laughs> he was, he, he was, he was immense, and and you know he was crazy, and you know, you know, particularly on his second spin with us, um, mm. you know, when we had the hooped collared shirts, and he'd have his, yeah. ripped, he'd just rip his collar, you know, he'd rip his collar. <laughs> I saw yeah, I know, I know. 
you know, he just meant business. And it's like, no, yeah, I loved him. And I think watching back at Robert Banks's end of season reviews he's putting on YouTube, um, there's a lot of yeah. naughty Julian ones, like particularly in the big his first stint, where it was yeah. like a let, you know, he'd put he'd push him or it'd be a punch, and it was like that was naughty. He seemed yeah, in the second yeah. stint to be a little bit more sly about, if that made sense. Less yeah, obvious. yeah, uh, yeah, and he had to, and I think another player that I'll mention in a minute, I think he was a bit like that as well, you know, sure. especially when they're carrying injuries and they need to uh, perhaps take a take a different approach, you know. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. No, good shit. We'll put Julian in. Yeah. Who are we gonna have it right back on the other side then, Gary? Right. Um, now you've called me out. Hang on a minute. Oh, I need to. I need to move my. Uh... <laughs> I've got it written down. <laughs> so on the right back is going to be Thomas Redka. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I think he he was bought in really a year or two after Julian Dix for, for it to give us a kind of Julian Dix experience, if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got, well, he got sent off twice in his first three games. So he kind of took it a little bit too literally of what we wanted, I think. Um, and he, he loved the tackle. He'd take no yeah. prisoners. He had mad eyes. I mean, there's no getting away from it. Um, you, you know, but it got to the point where early, early on we started thinking this guy's a liability, but then he matured into the side and we, and we kind of liked him. Yeah. He was a good, solid, real hard nut right back. And um, I, I went, I, I thought it was going to be his last game when we won up against uh, Aston Villa. Um, and, and so we went up there and we won two one, and the crowd was singing his name all that day. So again, I think he he, he had a little cult, a little cult did, following yeah. as well. And um, and I think I remember in his actual last game, which Holmes of Fulham, there was it, it was tears from him yeah. and everything. So many thought out he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 so yeah, I think I think he he deserves to be in this eleven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think you could have a loopy eleven without Repka in there. Um, but no, I mean, you know, he, he was he was our record signing, wasn't he, at the time when he came in? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I agree. He was. Uh, yeah, he took a while to bed in, but I think he became. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd say, you know, in, in my era, yeah, he's he's someone who epitomised that sort of loopiness. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, without a shadow, without a shadow, out of shadow, and particularly even more so since retiring from football, with all the stories of him, you know, selling a higher car and kidnapping his girlfriend, and you know, <laughs> absolutely brilliant, <laughs> absolutely never in doubt, never no, in exactly. doubt. And I, and I think with some of these people, you you have got to consider not only what they did when they played for West Ham, you got to consider the big picture like that, like yeah. like what they did off the pitch afterwards, yeah. and you know what they've what they've had have appeared in tv interviews and stuff like that i think that yeah some of them are uh they're questionable <laughs> oh brilliant okay let's go to center back so who's your first center back then gary the first one is uh razor ruddock oh right and and he was just by the time he got to us let's face it he was shot to pieces yeah. right it had a tough career he'd been very successful i think or moderately successful he was just a perpetual wind-up yeah. you know and that that arsenal game where he got Vieira so wound up that he that he <laughs> he spat at him yeah the one that we the one that we won well one of the very few that we won yeah, yeah he didn't play for us long but he, he yeah. must have been one horrible nasty antagonistic mm. antagonistic play against. i mean really yeah. you know even when he had no pace he, he used to take a sort of this is what i meant about with julian he used to take a more industrialized approach <laughs> uh, to uh, to stopping people 
And um, and I remember the little double act that you have with Ian Wright as well, because they used to, you know, they used, they used to wind people up together and yeah. it was quite good to watch. And I, I, I love what they did in, in taking the piss out of Paul Alcock, you know, that referee who, who, who tumbled over when, uh, yeah. when Decanio uh, gave him a yeah. little shove in the chest, you know. Yeah. And I think secretly, I reckon that was another reason Paolo wanted to join us. I reckon he would have. <laughs> that was at a time where everybody was trying to get Paolo convicted for second degree murder. Yeah, and I reckon he, he he might have watched Match of the Day that night and had a little had a little laugh to himself. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think I, I made my judgment that Ruddock should be included in this from watching Ruddock after he finished football. Yeah. You see him in like Big Brother and things like that. I mean, there's definitely something a little bit edgy about the bloke. Yes, definitely. He was, and and he was the last player I had on the back of my shirt <laughs> was Neil Ruddock. <laughs> Because like no, because I you know I I have a, a similar not as bad as Neil now, but I had a similar sort of body body sort of form to Neil Ruddock, yeah, and so yeah. I, I I sort of definitely sort of um, you know I, I warmed to him as as a player because I thought Christ if he could you know the size he was at the moment didn't they have to make extra different shorts for him they didn't have shorts big enough yeah yeah Something giant like shorts. That. Oh, was that um, who did Harry say had the biggest arse he'd ever seen? Was it? Was it? It wasn't Trevor Sinclair, was it? I think it was Trevor Sinclair. I think yeah, it, but I think, I think yeah, it but was. I'm pretty, sure, it? I'm pretty sure Ruddock they had to make extra, extra, extra large shorts or something like that. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I actually remember him. End of season, like it wasn't a lap of it was lap of honour then. Was it's called a lap of appreciation yeah. now? And he would yeah. be almost naked by the end of it because he'd be like throwing <laughs> his shirt, his shoe, he'd be literally yeah. his pants. Didn't give a shit about himself, and that, that's why I think. Uh, that's why I think. He was a lot. He was a laugh. I think he, he bought. He, he bought a bit of comedy to football, didn't he? Not the greatest player, yeah. but no. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's what people like to be entertained, don't they? So it's like you know, yeah, yeah. they like to win, I've, but yeah. I, th- I think when Vieira. Uh, spat at him that time he said in the post-match uh, uh, interview he said yeah it stunk of garlic so it's like <laughs> <laughs> still going still going that's what I love for the return leg still going yeah, oh, yeah. so funny but who's going to partner Razor in the middle then well um, that's going to be Slavin Bilic yeah. and, and that is and, and, and again the guy has got uh, there's there's something not quite right with him. I remember, you know, outside of playing for West Ham, and he 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 did really well for us for a season and helped us stay up. And um, you know, but then he he left, and a lot of people he went to Everton. We all, a lot of us thought at the time he's gone for the money, greedy git, yeah. and all that. But yeah. but I think, but I don't think he did in retrospect when you look at the facts. Um, you know, but I think I can't remember him doing anything other than really bloody well for us and organising defence and and helping us to survive. But when you um, when you look at what he did outside of West Ham, you look at what he did in a Croatia shirt, for instance. All right. <laughs> so there was a I think a World Cup game once where he was uh, taking a corner. And then someone blasted the ball at him. It hit him on the shins and he went down holding his face yeah, yeah. and he got the guy sent off. Yeah. And then there was the one where um, I think it was, it was against Laurent Blanc in the, in the semi-final of, I think, one of the Euros. Yeah. Uh, was it Euros or France? 98. France, that, yeah, like yeah. And um, Laurent Blanc, um, um, what, what did he do? What did he do? He gave him a little, uh, gave him a little flick in the face. Yeah, well, and again, tough, he went yeah, down, he, he, he went, down, like he went shot, down yeah. holding his face. And there was a German guy who, who went down, dived in the box, I think in Euro 96, dived in the box. And he just, in front of the referee, went up and just booted him. You know, it was just, to him, I think, as soon as he, he's the loveliest bloke in the world off the pitch, if a yeah. little bit crazy. 
on the pitch, I think it's war and he'll win at all costs. You know what I mean? And so I, I don't think he could, I don't think he quite brought that across uh, that kind of mentality in being a manager. I think he probably did for Croatia. But I yeah, don't think I, he. I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. But he, you know, he'll always be loved over there. He is yeah, he, he's, he one, one of the nicest blokes. But I mean, you only had to see the stuff that he got up to when he was doing the TV punditry for Dimitri Payet when he started climbing on the on the desk yeah. and stuff like that you have to sort of question him a little bit don't you so yeah. so i think yeah i think he fits perfectly into i think i think it's a good shout and even when he was when he was manager you you, you sense the winner all costs like mentality because he gets yeah. so emo you know we don't i mean you know i think takes it like, personally yeah. yeah yeah he takes it personally and i think west ham fans like you know that type of you know him and yeah, you know, obviously Pardew was so animated as a you know he'd jump yeah. over the fence and try and kick up, kick you know, start a fight with Wenger and stuff. You know, it's like yeah, that type of stuff. I think we like that, don't we? Yeah, I think Pardew got us as well. I think he got us. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree definitely. But we'll put Slav in. Okay, nice. Yeah, as you said, you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to go down a, a dark alley with that back four coming the other way, would you? No, you really wouldn't. <laughs> you really wouldn't. It's a bit of a tough one. Bit of oh, a I tough love one. it. I love it. Right, let's go. Uh, let's go left wing then. Who've we got left wing? Then, left wing, and again, a bit questionable about, about where I've put these players, but I'll try my best. Um, Lewis Bowamorte or Bowen Naughty, as we used to oh, call Norte, him. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was. He used to used to just lose his head a lot and fly into reckless tackles. Usually two footed, you know, often sort of sandwiching the leg of an opposition player. He, he, he seemed to want to try and maim people all the time. He was out of control. Yeah. He got substituted all the time. He he got twenty two yellow cards, one red card. He wasn't with us very long. I think he played with seventy five games or something. Yeah, um, yeah you know, I, I I can't say anything other than he was a he was a he was a fucking liability. He yeah. was uh, at times he came across as a, yeah. I, I mean, uh, the way he flew into people, it was it, it wasn't very clever. Yeah. But I think uh, for the, he definitely had something. There wasn't something. There was something not quite right something about. Wired him. slightly wrong there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I've put him into this eleven. That's well. a good shout. And unsurprisingly, the first time Luis Belmonte has come up in the. Uh, <laughs> He's not going to feature him. He's not going to feature him many 11s, is he? Let's face it. But it's always, I think we've had, I think so far we've had 115 separate players. Yeah. So, so you're adding to it, Gary, which is good. I like like it. I like it. Right. So put Louis Beaumorte in, um, in at left wing. Who should we have on the opposite wing then, on the right wing then, Gary? On the opposite wing, uh, again, this, this is something, this is a player that um, I didn't really, weren't that keen on, to be honest. Lee Boyer. Yeah. Right. So, he came from Canning Town to stop us going down, but he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. We got relegated. The yeah. Sam Allardyce danced on the touchline with JJ Okocha. Just, just one of the most infuriating, infuriating days of my life. But yeah, yeah. look, I, I, I can remember, you, you know, I thought Boyer, when he came, when he joined the first time with his Leeds pedigree, it was a questionable character, but I thought with his lead, lead pedigree, he'd be exactly what we needed, a battler, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. And he definitely was a battler. He was filthy. There's no yeah. two ways about it. And he definitely had a little, there was a little bit, um, you know, wrong upstairs when you look at the time he got nicked for smashing up at McDonald's and throwing chairs around and abusing the staff and everything. There was yeah. the other time where he had a fight on the pitch with Kieran Dyer yeah. playing for Newcastle. You know, I, I, the thing is, the thing I didn't get about Lee Bowyer was why we signed him again. Yes. Because it's like we got him the first time. He was definitely past his best. 
and then we went and bought him again. Have and he didn't yeah. really do any better the second time. He no. was all right, but he, but he was never, you know. But having said that, he was a he was a local boy from Canning Town, and so um, that's why I think he got a bit of a free ride. I think people yeah. that there was that. And, and everybody kind of knew he was past his best, his best from a, a footballing perspective. Yeah, sure. And I mean, and, and this is, he's a kind of exception to the, to the rule in this, in this 11, because I usually warm to people, the people who are a little bit mad, a bit crazy, but I never really warm to people. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. It was a similar thing. It was almost like he was a name on the team sheet, you know, rather than. Yeah. Good. We've got Lee Bowyer playing. But, yeah. Uh, that, that, that's it. And he, he, a lot of injury problems, bit yeah. of a, yeah, I think a bit of a waste of shirt in my opinion. But yeah. there, you, there you go. I think, I think. But having said that, given his record, given the way he played, I think Perfect. he definitely belongs in this eleven. Perfect for this eleven. That's great. Yeah. I'll put Bo you on the right. Let's go centre mid. Who's your first centre mid then, girl? Well, look, I've got the I've got the maddest centre midfield pair going. Oh, right? brilliant! I mean, it starts off with uh, Martin Allen, Mad Dog. Oh. Yeah, you know, I mean, he just used to prowl, almost oh, prowl around yeah. the pitch, drooling. He used to run with his head down, you know, infectious energy, enthusiasms. Oh, yeah. But truth be told, he, he he wasn't the most gifted of the Allen family, you know. But what he didn't have in 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 ability, he he, he made up for more than made up yeah. for with commitment. And we loved him over there. He was he was a proper yeah. cult hero, you know. Yeah. He was always charging all over the pitch. He seemed to get buoyed up by the crowd, you know. He was like he, he seemed he seemed a bit at times like our representative on the pitch, you know, when 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 things were down. Yeah, you. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, with Julian Dix able to turn a game, I think he was as well. Uh, one great moment, I think I'll always always remember it because I was there, and that was. Um, we were in the old second division, might have been the championship. I don't know what, what year it was, but I was 1989. So yeah, it was still the old second division. And um, we played first division Wimbledon. And that was the time when <laughs> Wimbledon were just filth, right? Yeah. Absolute filth. And so we played them in the league cup, a tough physical game against a horrible bunch of spoilers. It was like WWE, you know, no old barred, six players yeah. booked. Julian got sent off and it made the back pages the following day for, for being a sort of horror show, sure. you know, and, and late in the game, I mean, it's nil nil, but late in the game, um, uh, Stuart Slater got free on the left. He laid it out outside to Mark Wald, who put the perfect cross to the other side of the box, back the edge of the six yard box. And Martin Allen just belted it into the far corner, such a sweet volley, you know, and it was just, it was just wild in there. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, yeah. he, he done, there was so many good times with Martin Allen, like, like the header in the two, one at Chelsea, at Stamford bridge, you know, you definitely wanted Martin Allen in your side. If you're going to be, if it was going to be a battle. And I think he fit perfectly into this little team. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, we, and I remember we interviewed him on the pitch in the old, at the old ground. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, we haven't interviewed him since because uh, he, he, I think it's fair to say he, he was enjoying the pre-match um, refreshments. We'll say that. Yeah. yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. And we'd play and it was Thomas Hitzelsberger had hit one yeah. of his bombs into the top right. corner. And I yeah. think Jeremy asked him, you know, what do you think of Thomas's first half performance? And yeah. he went, well, the last time a German came around the East End, he bombed the place. <laughs> and it was like, okay, right. Thanks, thank, thanks Martin. Anyway. Yeah, yeah thanks. Let's, watch, let's watch some adverts. Let's do the 50-50 yeah. Um But yeah, Martin Allen, absolute, absolute legend. He is. Um, yeah. No, I yeah. totally get that. Right, who's, who's Martin going to pair in the midfield then with? It couldn't be anyone else, right? It's John Monker. Oh, I love him. 
He's here, he's there, he's every fucking where. John McCarthy, you know he was as well, all yeah. over the place. You know, when, and, and the thing is with him, he, he, he went through a bit of a, well, let's say our expectation of him changed a little bit. When he joined from Swindon, yes. he was seen as a, you know, an ex-Spurs, massively talented, creative mm. midfielder. And for a while he was, let's be fair, he was a good player, really good player. And um, I think the time, the short time, he, spent, he must have really disliked Spurs for getting rid of him so quickly. I think he played 20 games, 21 games for him, something like that, yeah. because he loved playing against Spurs, you know, absolutely loved it, always up for it. You know, he got, uh, I think there was an away win against Spurs in 99 where he got booked um, uh, twice. He got sent off for recklessly flying into two tackles. And uh, as he as he went off the pitch, he's sort of giving it the, uh, yeah, to the crowd. <laughs> and um, they actually loved him, clapped him back. It's like a typical of when Julian used to get sent off and he used to get <laughs> applauded down the tunnel, you know. It's like, oh, brilliant, brilliant the way you try to break that bloke. Yeah, absolutely superb. But, but my abiding memory of Moncur was towards the end in the last couple of years um, when he, when he, and this was really, he, he was really mad, right? Yeah. Um, Harry used to use him as a sub a lot. And um, he, he used to come on for probably the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that, probably five, 10 minutes. And me and my cousin, we used to stand there and say, right, how long is it going to take for him to get booked? <laughs> right? He used to time it. And sometimes it was like a minute. It was a minute. It'd come onto the pitch. It was like a coiled spring. And it'd just go charging about. And it was just seconds before he flew into someone. And he got his little warning and then he calmed down. But yeah. that, that, that was, that, that was Monka. Yeah, but was Monka. It, again, he was a proper... He was a proper cult hero, just like mine. He was. And I remember, obviously, yeah, towards the end when he was obviously on a, as a sub and uh, running up and yeah. down that touchline, just like, yeah, you know, jockeying yeah. with the linesman. And I think once he pulled down the sh- his shorts or something, the linesman's yeah, shorts. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, absolutely mental. You can't get away with that. And that's the thing. I, th- I don't think, yeah, they, they were crazy, but they were like, they were like entertaining. And you don't get that no yeah. more. You don't get people like that, like John Moncur and Martin Allen anymore. Um, yeah, that's right. That's professional. right. You know, they're too professional. It, yeah, it was comedy value, wasn't it? It was comedy it was. value. That's all. That's all it was. It's a giggle. They and didn't. Was, and there was similar. There's people from similar sort of, uh, you know, particularly like Ruddock, you know, uh, Omonka, you know, they, these guys were of a similar sort of period in, in sort of yeah. history. And I think there's there's a yeah. reason for that. Yeah, definitely. That's no, good shout. Right, let's go up front then. Who have we got up front? I'm loving this girl. Oh, oh I wonder. I, I wonder who we got up front. I mean, number one, it's got to be Paolo, isn't it? Yeah. Paolo Di Canio. The entertainer, yeah. you know, on his day, absolute world class, dominate a game, tease the opposition, moaning and complaining. You know, he was he was proper high maintenance, and uh, and apparently he used to swear at Harry in Italian, and Harry swore at him in English. You know, that was the kind of relationship they had. Uh, but to be fair, you couldn't really control someone like him, oh, right? And Harry, Harry, I think managed him perfectly in that he treated him like an adult, and, and when he fucked up, he ignored it right yeah. um so so when he caught that ball away to everton you know where he got the fair play award oh, you could tell man. after the game uh, harry was 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 shaking his head and twitching like, like yeah he was really twitching like you could tell he had the right ump but he but he, he basically supported him he said yeah yeah he's done a he's done a he's done a good thing you know yeah. but you could tell he, he he really didn't think he had you know yeah. you don't you don't do something like that but then you had the moments of genius absolute genius i mean he had a goal against wimbledon that you know that was, yeah. that was great but the best thing about the goal against Wimbledon, well, you can't say the best thing, but was when he turned away and he's, he's, he's going like that, I think, to the crowd and, and he's, he's mouthing uh, the words, I can do no more, I can do no more. Yeah. You know, it's the kind of, kind of thing he was. And um, 
and even if it was sort of top it it torment top opposition you know like the yeah. the, the, the Barthez goal away to Man United or, yeah. or that or my my all-time favorite which because it was right in front of me in the Bobby Moore stand which was when he turned Martin Keown inside yeah. out and just passed the ball into the top right hand corner and net plus past Seaman I mean I, I I just loved it yeah um and, and and he used to do those little cameos down in the corner of the the east and the and the Bobby Moore you know that was like his he used to always kind of it was like homing pigeon used to go back to there with Trevor Sinclair. He used to just tease teams, yeah. And they couldn't get the ball off him. Um, he did. He was, he was a proper competitor. I mean, no more so than the 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 five four where he wrestled yeah. the ball off of penalty off of, yeah, um, of you know for the yeah. penalty off of Lampard. Um, you know, but talking of penalties, it takes real guts and a little bit of eccentricity, a little bit genius prep to do that little chip down the middle, you know, and he'd, yeah. done, he'd done it time and time again. Yeah. And to have the guts to do that, especially in a high pressure game. Um, and every time you could see the keeper's face and the keeper, every keeper that, that, that fell for it just looked ashamed. Just yeah. looked ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, I also I take it as a bit of an honour because I think he was borderline world class and I think oh, yeah. I take it as an, as an honour that he spent five years with us and I think that was longer than he spent at any other club I think we got him he got us um, having said that I wouldn't fancy some people call him to be the manager and I, 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 I wouldn't like to see him giving the manager's job because you know it's one thing managing Sunderland but could you imagine how, how personally he would take it if he didn't do well at West Ham yeah you know, it, it would, he would, he would explode. He would implode. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'd be like, you know, Billy Bonds all over again, you know, a great player, a, a, a legend, not quite reaching the heights that, that he should have, you know? So yeah, I think yeah. let's just keep, let's just keep the brilliant memories. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with Taylor. And yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was box office, wasn't he? It's like you would, you would pay just to watch Paolo really, because yeah, he was yeah. just, he was just, he was our entertainer and, you know, and it was, yeah. you know, he was a slightly, like, you know, the, the Arsenal thing you spoke about, you know, when he had his shorts on backwards yeah. and, and, <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, he's yeah. just mad and he's, he's still, and he's still a West Ham fan. That's what I love. He still it, loves the club. You know, in the days when the shorts got longer and longer and longer, he always used to wear really short shorts. And he said, yeah. I like to see my legs because I feel strong. And then he does like the Imperial leather advert as well, you know, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. He was mental. And he's still yeah. like, and, he, and you know, and he, he's what I, I call people, there's a few people I call sort of, you know, adopted Cockneys. And he's an adopted Cockney because he just yeah. got West Ham, you know, and he still does. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Mental. Yeah. And he's like, he just epitomised West Ham in that period, which was a quite a crazy period, really. You yeah. think the type of players we had, you know, the Harry, and that was probably the most entertaining yeah. sort of period we had for a while. Um, yeah. And how much fun that was. And, uh, you know, even like even him partner with like Paolo Wonchop. You know, yeah, Paolo Wonchop yeah. was weird as well. You know, and it's like he was, he was, yeah. And yeah. like you know, oh god, because it was in the my yeah, my, yeah just absolutely mental period of, of West Ham that was right. Okay, who's Paolo gonna you know well, partner? It, well, again, this one was quite easy because have have we had anybody anybody more unhinged than this bloke? It's Marko Anatovic. <laughs> you know. When, you know, when he joined and he was stuck out on the wing, I, I, I thought, you know, what, what a waste. Because yeah. I, I, watched him, I watched him play for Stoke and he, mm. he, he looked a real threat and he scored goals. So when Moyes moved him out up to the striking role, I thought, you know, he came into his own. In, yeah. in his running style, he reminded me of, of Johnny Hartson in, in Johnny Hartson's one good season for us, where people used to just bounce off him. Yeah. You know, he was powerful. He had, that, he had that build and he ran in a similar way. Um, 
you know, whether or not you could have him and Paolo in the same team, I'm not sure because they, they need a ball each and they'd probably kill each other, you know. But he was, on out of it, there's no getting away from it, even though I've got no time for going out. He was supremely talented. Yeah, he, he was, was a great yeah. finisher and a, yeah. a real class footballer. It's just a pity that him and his brother had a taste for the high life and he's also a little bit a little bit mad, you know, brooding, mm. sulking um, uh, bloke. He also adopted the old trick of, of Paolo as well. So they would have been fighting over who owned this, who owned the rights on this one. And that was whenever Paolo did something wrong, like, like received the ball badly or missed a chance, he used to go down and he used to get up holding his leg, like, and limping as if to say it was the leg that did it. It wasn't me, you know, and that's what Arnautovic did as well. So there was, there is a little bit of a synergy there between his servant. Um, um, so, uh, so yeah, he was, I thought it was. I thought he was great. I thought he was a really good goal scorer. He's got a really good strike rate as well. Yeah, he twenty two yeah, goals yeah. in fifty four appearances. Really good. Yeah, you know, proper individual. And and, and before he made that idiotic move, uh, move to let everybody know that he wanted to leave. You know, and then kind of make a video to say, "Oh, I love you. I want to stay." You know, all that yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it's like you, you know, you've already mugged us off. So it was a shame because up until that point, he was starting to become a proper cult hero, and then yeah, he just yeah, yeah, threw yeah, it yeah. away. He just yeah. threw it away. Such a waste because he could have been with us for five or six years. He could have been almost a legend, you know. And he just chucked it just for a, you know, a two bob job in China. All right, yeah. he's earning a lot of money, but when he looks back at his career, you know, the stuff he could have done with us versus, um, you know. The days and nights he could have had with West Ham, rather than yeah, in some boiling hot, humid place in China. Well, yeah, yeah it, and it's all, all fucked up for him, really, didn't it? Really, because of yeah, yeah. Uh, the coronavirus and stuff. So, yeah. But uh, no, I agree with that, Ivana. You're right. He's like it was. It, 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 I saw similar parallels to like when we first signed Tevez, and like yeah. he he was like non-existent for the first like six months, and then yeah, and then they put him in a right position. You stay up there and don't yeah. worry about running. And then he was immense, and it's very similar to Arnie. You said stuck on the right, doing fucking yeah. really. What was he yeah, putting? Yeah. Almost like a free roll, but up front as a target man. And he was just he was yeah. brilliant. And you're totally right. It'd be absolutely crazy with him and Paolo in the same team. But uh, I'd love to see it. Oh, oh, oh you, you imagine I, I would that team i just read out to you there i i, I think would any team fancy playing against them no Definitely <laughs> on, a cold, on a cold tuesday in stoke as well it'd be absolutely yeah. obviously no, but it, it being stoke paolo obviously wouldn't play so you know yeah that's away, right so. he, yeah, he wouldn't <laughs> <be away again. laughs> gary it's been absolutely brilliant chatting to you yeah. i've really enjoyed it thank you so much it's really nice to have a different team as well and yeah. uh, and it's some really funny stories and players that obviously haven't been mentioned and i really appreciate your time uh, it's, you. it's been really good fun russ thanks for inviting good. me absolute pleasure and obviously thanks everyone for watching you know like share subscribe you know what to do and until next time guys it's me and gary take care and stay safe Bye bye Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.